Good morning, everybody. How you doing? Hopefully doing well. Welcome to Comics Unlimited. What makes this more of a task than a treasure? If you have a large collection, let's talk today about why these things are valuable, when they become a problem, and when we should start getting rid of them. Welcome to the Comics Unlimited podcast. With your hosts, Glenn B. Fleming and Ted Davis. Well, good morning, everybody. We had a little bit of a snafu over in the UK, and there was a power outage, and I don't know if uh, hopefully Glenn's doing okay, and I, I ended up getting a message uh, uh, from um, his wife <laughs> today, this morning, and said that um, they don't have any power, so apparently they are they should be up and running here soon, but maybe he'll be in. If not, uh, we're going to do this solo, but hopefully you guys will still enjoy the show. Welcome to Comics Unlimited. My name's Ted Davies. Uh, if it's your first time here, we talk about our publication, uh, first off and foremost, Comics Unlimited. And uh, I don't know if you can see that. So there you go. And you can find that on Amazon uh, under the Glenn B. Fleming um, site. So check out everything that we're doing with Comics Unlimited. Great publication. Talks about comics history. Has some great articles in there from all different kinds of uh, creatives, uh, article writers, as well as um comic creators and that check out everything that we're doing with this This is a great book and i really recommend uh, if you're a comic book collector uh, or if you're just interested in comics comics unlimited is the way to go international publication we sell it uh, worldwide both in digital form and in paperback so check that out that would be awesome if you would um okay so right now so glenn's <laughs> glenn's a little bit without power so we're like i said we're just going to run with it here we do want to talk about uh, our sponsor cashman's comics um, here in Bay City, Michigan. Cashman's has been there 26 years. John's awesome. Check out everything that uh, you need for your comic needs, uh, especially for the newer stuff and for independent uh, writers as well, creators like myself. He sells all my work uh, at his shop as well. Say hello to Petey the dog if you're lucky enough to be in Bay City and uh, check it all out, cashmanscomics.com. Okay, so today uh, I want to say good morning to everybody here. Okay, who do we have in the queue here? We've got uh, Jody McPhee. Good morning. Uh, Carl, Donna, good morning. Um, I've got, uh, let's see. Hey, what's up, Pete? Um, I got a couple things on this as far as the, we were, we were Glenn and I were both going to talk about um, the uh, comic books as far as grading them, as far as uh, having them signed, autographed by the, uh, by the creators. Um uh, whether it be artists or writers or what have you, public publishers, whatever. Uh, a couple different avenues on that as far as the value and, and what really sets the precedent. So if you guys have any information on that, go ahead and, you know, let me know. Because that's, uh, you know, that's something that, hey, good morning, Lewis. How you doing? Boo to you too. Um, let me know what you guys uh, think too, because there's a lot of things that, I can only go by my experience with it, and I know that there's um, there's a lot of us in this in this uh, hobby. So, and I know that we all have different experiences with that. So, but as far as the the collection goes, let me tell you a little bit of a story. So, I mean, I've been collecting for God uh, 
over 40 years. So um, for me, um, I have a, I've got a different perspective because I've, I've still got the original, uh, a lot of the original books I had when I was, uh, you know, six years old, you know, seven years old. So for me, they're, they're priceless. I'll, I don't think I'll ever get rid of them. In fact, I'm going to hand them down to my kids, even if they don't want them. <laughs> so, but I'm still going to, that's, that's what I want to do. Um, and again, being priceless, you know, what is value? What's the, what's the rub on that? Are people, um, you know, excessively, uh, making these things more valuable in their minds and then they're never going to get that money out. Yeah, that's, that's true. There's some that are just so valuable. A lot of us can't even afford them. And uh, you know, what puts the precedent on that? So I want to talk a little bit about that. Um, but as a collector, uh, I kind of got shot in the arm about uh, two or three months ago when we ended up having uh, a huge influx of uh, opportunity uh, with my buddy Pete, who's in the call right now, uh, Pete, jump on there too. If uh, there's any uh, thing you want to add to that, uh, we've got a, a tremendous amount of uh, of a collection now that we can uh, share to the world, literally, um, with an economic transfer, of course. But there is um, there's an opportunity there that, yeah, it'd be awesome to keep. But it, it at what point do you when when does it become you know? Uh, you're counting all your gold on your own table and nobody else can have any. That's not, that's not what it's about. This hobby should be about uh, finishing people's collections and uh, getting them to the point where they've, uh, they've reached that grail um, comic book that they've, they haven't, that's eluded them for the last 50 years or whatever. Um, though that's, that's what's the, the treasure side of this, I think. Um, uh, let's see what Lewis says here. The value of books is what it is to you. So let's talk about that and willing and what you're willing to pay. I don't consider myself a collector, but a reader. And and that's understandable, too. I get what you're saying there. Uh, yes, I have a collection, but it's not like I can part with it. Yeah, and I agree with that. And, I, and it's not necessary that we do have to part with it. Um, when it becomes... When it becomes a not a very stable, uh, and I'm I'm I'm, I'm 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 very much on a line here because uh, the influx of boxes of of comic boxes and everything else in our house now and in the studio is you know up to the ceiling. So I say this uh, with with not this in mind, but I'm not a hoarder or anything like that. But it's just because this is the type of business that it is, you have to have stock in order to supply. And that's um, I'm talking about people that it's to the point where they can't live. They can't uh, manage their lives because of the the excess of it all. When when is when is enough enough? You know, um, and uh, and that's, you know, like uh, Pete was saying here, he says, help people get their joy, continue finding my. Yeah. And I and I think that collecting is important in that regard because I think and that builds a community. Right. Because we've got comic collectors nationwide, worldwide, really, that, you know, they're willing to trade for certain things. There might be something that you have that they don't have. Obviously, economics play a part of it. Um, uh, Carl, no. And, and we ended up uh, Pete and Pete had a if I can full disclosure, my good friend Pete uh, had a comic book store. That's actually how we met uh, many, many, many eons ago. And uh, it just got to the point now where we're, we're in a position, we were both in a position that we could start um, managing this uh, 
this collection to where it needed to to be and that was that was kind of it he he offered an opportunity and i had that uh the segue and the time not the time but the the um the the notion <laughs> that i wanted to do it the mood and you know just the idea so um so let me ask okay so jody asked could you clarify the difference between collecting for your own personal reasons as opposed to those who called from an investment as flipping for profit yeah good point so i mean the difference between collecting for your own personal enjoyment i mean for collection is one thing but enjoyment like pete was saying if you if you like i mean just comics that don't make any sense at all like hold on a second i mean this this one makes sense but if you want a comic that it's it's mystery and it's it's from this era and it's it's you know by this artist or whatever and it doesn't it's all banged up and whatever else and it's all chipped up and it's very low grade it's not worth any any more than say a dollar in the dollar bin then fantastic that's 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 what a personal collection is all about it inspires you it gets you to the point where you are um you're not speculating and speculating can be very dangerous as as joe and Joe's a very much an advocate of that because it's speculation can be very, very, uh, not just, um, it, it can be nerve wracking. It can be really nerve wracking speculation, uh, to give you an idea, uh, things like this, things like werewolf by night on a value scale, they're, they're very valuable, but why, you know, what, what, what causes them to be such a, on a speculated, you know, uh, 20 years ago, it was valuable, but it wasn't, it wasn't as valuable as when, a, when they're going to offer you a show now on, on Disney. And it's, you know, all these things that are happening, the speculation was, oh man, I got to grab that because it's going to be worth more. Yeah, it is. It's, it's worth, it's very valuable, but in the big scheme of things, a lot of people just buy to flip them. One of the things that I, I do in this, um, what Pete and I decided to do is we're stewards of this, of this, um, uh, if you want to call it a collection, we're stewards in a lot of things. That's why I've contacted certain people like, like Jody, for example, and some of the Wonder Woman collection and that kind of thing. Cause I want them to have, cause I know that he's going to, he's going to put it in a collection that he's probably most likely going to take care of and keep. And for the next, um, the next generation, if you want to call it that, or the next people that want to, um, have an opportunity to get those books. I think that with, uh, the difference between collecting, um, on your own personal side has to be for the love of the, of it, the, the love of the books, the love of the, um, artwork, the love of the story, the memories that it brings back. If it, if it's for older collecting, um, I think that there's, uh, there's a lot of, uh, things that, we could do in um in collecting that can be detrimental i think that sometimes it's an i, I think pull boxes are great at, at uh at um the, your local comic book store i think it's vital that we all have a pull box that they every month or whatever you get the the regular uh subscriptions that you normally would get uh in comics uh, if people don't know what a pull box is it's every every you have it set up with your local comic book store and they pull these um, publications every time that they come in for you, say Iron Man or Spider-Man or whatever, they'll pull these for you every month. And it ends up uh, that way when you go in at one time, you can pick up all the books 
uh, you're guaranteed, hopefully, to have them. Um, and I think that's it's vital when it comes to uh, when it comes to anything like that for for local businesses. I think it's extremely important. Um, what Joe's talking about, though, is for people that are just flipping. Um, you know, people go to all different kinds of things, garage sales, flea markets, whatever, and they're just buying low and selling high. They're trying to flip these things. They're not they're not even reading the books. They're not opening them. Some of the books we've got, I don't want to open. I don't want to affect. Um, I don't want to because I'm not that interested in the storyline. I love the artwork and I really don't want to. And I think that that just out of respect for the um, the age of the books and everything else, I think it's really important that we we don't. um damage them you know like i said we're kind of I, i'm in a position now where i'm kind of a steward of these things to get them to the to the next port you know to get them to the next uh person that's going to be able to enjoy them um now whether they're going to flip them or not well that's up to them and once they own them that's that's their thing um my my concern right now is that making sure that and i think that that's this is where this is the rub what do you grade? What do you keep what they call raw? And what do you just, just get sell this move? I mean, what do you, what do you, how, what are the ratings? You know, how bad is it? Some of them, you know, the, we got a couple that are just the covers are falling off and everything else. Do you get them restored? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, there's all different ways you can do this. So, and that's the task. That's the, that's the, do you get them grade graded? Okay. Well, that's a big investment. You have to get them pressed. You have to get them cleaned. You've got a, a, a bunch of money outlying first and hopes that eventually it'll pay pay you back. So in that in the business side of that, that's what I don't um, that's not enjoyable. Right. And I think that when you when you look at it from a personal collection, I'd love to keep some of these. Yeah, absolutely. But do I really need it? Do I really think that it's going to make my my collection any better? And is it the fact that it's valuable to somebody else? In, in your mind, oh, look what I got. You know what I mean? And I don't want that. I, I don't I don't like that um, mindset. Even and we, and we all get wrapped up in it. I don't care who we are. You know, even if with me with the best intention, I still get wrapped up. Hey, check this out. You know, when Glenn and I are on here, we'll talk about that kind of stuff. Or I'll show them the Kirby books or something. And, it, you know, it's, I don't know. Personal collecting, though, I think is, uh, it, it is personal. And you, and you have your own ways of making your collection you can do old new um you know anything from ash cans to you know the most uh, awesome of uh trade books you can possibly have with the finest art it's a it's a great uh thing publications in general are a great thing to collect so let me get back to the comments here um let's see uh Lewis Bright Raven says, uh, I'm interested in the stuff I never read in the 50s and 60s and 70s, just out of curiosity or getting indie overseas content, but modern day American superhero comics, nah, I can understand that. I think that, and I think that it, maybe for the younger readers, it might be good. I don't know. I'm, I'm speaking out of turn because I'm not a younger reader anymore. Um, I think that there's a lot of people that feel the same way. I think that the stories um, now sometimes don't click. I, I, I think that... Um, and these are, you know, I talked about it. We do time travel. These books are time travel for me. You know, I've, I've said it a few times on my shows. It's awesome to see like um, 
Glenn B. Fleming or uh, well, any of us really that read books, it takes us right back to, you know, when we're eight, nine, 10 years old, when we first start reading these books. I mean, at least for me. And I think that that is an awesome thing. It's a great thing to watch because it's really, it, it, you get to the point where it's, it's almost, I look for that. I look for that in people. If they don't have that, I don't know if those are my people or not, you know, um, Carl says, we've done the same thing with books. They mean something to us, but you could not sell them for any big money. We bought from estate sales or auctions and then given extras away. Yeah. And I think that that's part of it too. Again, it's a balance. Is it a business or is it a hobby? Is it a collection? So, and a lot of the ones now I was, uh, I'm recently going through a lot of my, I'm, I'm liquidating a lot of stuff just because I don't have the room and I, whether it be my artwork or whether it be my antiquated books or whatever, I'm starting to get things listed. As you guys know, I'm doing a Christmas and July sale right now for my artwork just because I don't have the room and I can't take them. I can't keep taking them to shows and that it's just too daunting. And I'd rather um, cut the deals in July mid year and have, you know, have a pretty good, um, just an area that where I can do more work because right now it's, it's becoming, they're piling up. So, and a lot of that, I think right now, the, the, just the time frame with everything, I think that we need to adjust our pricing somewhat because of gas prices and because of inflation, everything else that happens. It, it just, that's, I think that's just being courteous. Um, and, and the market doesn't lie, right? If we go back to comics again, fair market value is a very important thing to know. Uh, fair market value can be found online. Uh, we used um, Comics Price Guide for our uh, for our pricing and everything else. Uh, and you know we do everything a lot of that digitally. We're starting to put everything on um, a digital account, so now people will know what we have for sale directly, uh, what we have uh, boxes, just uh, inventory, and that which helps. We still have to have uh, long boxes and short boxes, you know, and everything else in our in our storage, but until that gets moved, but there's, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's a learning curve on that. So, uh, let's see what I've got here. Considering I have a good majority of volume one and volume two, three, new 52 and the rebirth series of wonder woman. Uh, I highly doubt, I highly doubt I will flip them unless I am that financially strapped. Yeah. And I understand that. And you, you don't, I, they're there, you know, and that's one thing too. I tell people, I told my son and my daughter this both, you know, um, comics is a great investment. It's not necessarily the best investment and I'm not telling you to do it, but look at the numbers, guys, look at the numbers on a lot of the older stuff. Uh, it's, it's quite amazing. It's absolutely amazing what the investment is. And I, I would challenge it to look at the market and then look at the, the, uh, the comics, <laughs> There's a lot of retirement money in this in this business, so I would definitely uh, I would definitely think uh, think twice when you're looking at books, even the newer stuff. Now, some of the newer stuff is is very uh, valuable in some regards um, because of the speculation market that we talked about. And I'm not saying quick money. This is something that I would look at it from a long long term. And one thing about this collection that uh, that we have that uh, Pete and I have is um, they're like I said, they're time capsules and they need to be they need to be um, stewarded to the next. And it, it's a hard thing because some of them are like, oh, man, I remember this book. Oh, I remember this when I was a kid. Do you need it, though? And does it really need to be part of your personal collection? I don't know. 
but the treasure in it all, I think, is not just monetary. I don't know if it's uh, you know, nine tenths, nine tenths of the law is um, is having it right, but it's not. It's more so the. I think the treasure is the uh, just the love of the the hobby, the experience of it all, and the and the way that it makes you feel um, like you were when you were a kid. And that's that's not an easy thing in, in today's world. Not an easy thing. Um, let me show you here too. The uh, one of the things that always interested me is that why get them signed? What was the point of that? I know when I was when I first started doing my books and that people would ask for my signature on things, and I would always, you know, did they want me to sign it to them or to just my signature? And I usually just sign my signature, and I do that a couple of different ways. If I'm giving it as a gift to somebody, um, say a family member or whatever, if I sign it, I'll usually sign it to them um, because it's a gift to them. If I if somebody buys this book and that it's their purchase, I usually sign it because you never know that they might have to sell it someday. And, you know, I'm hoping, which I'm sure it is, it already is valuable, but I'm hoping that in the future it'll be even more valuable. So I sign it so that epically hopefully epically they can sell it later um not to flip it now but to maybe if they're in a pinch they could sell it and i and again that's just a service to the to the client um but like things like this uh how do you know it's joe that signed this you know well you get a couple certifications here which help these things this is why it's important that you've got these um not every book has uh, uh authenticity and that's it's really important that you do have that because it's i think it's super important um but like this vampirella i i bought it years ago and i think that um i read it once still remember it and it's a great it's just a great uh the artwork's phenomenal but i'm glad joe signed it uh part of my collection like this one here this is a prime example now this one's going to get uh this one's going to get graded. This is Joe Sinnott. Now, what's interesting about this, as well as um, a lot of the, uh, you know, on this, especially in the Fantastic Four, this era, this is 53. 52 is um, down getting graded right now, getting uh, in, or it's in transit to be graded. But things like this, when um, when an author is, or excuse me, when a uh, an anchor or artist or whatever writer they pass away. I mean, they're not obviously signing anything anymore. Even before that, even before they uh, move on, there's not uh, who's to say that they're going to sign anything without uh, a grading company or whoever to uh, to be involved with it. They're worth more money when they're signed. But I know that it's a point in time that that, that creator touched that product. And that's that's a really... That's what makes it so valuable. If they're not going to be around anymore, like say for George Perez and that, George signed a ton of stuff, a ton of stuff, especially for Pete. And, um, you know, we're better for it, you know, as, as far as, and it's got a signature, you know, his signature of, you know, him of this on this, on this work. When you don't have that anymore, it's like, uh, we were going to talk to you about, um, Glenn and I were going to talk today when he was here about uh, Jack Kirby and, you know, how he signed books that he had. He was going to show some of the signatures and that. Um, 
that's that's a huge thing. Now, I don't know monetarily what that, you know, is it $100 more? Is it $500 more? Is it 1000 I don't know. I know when Stan Lee signed a few things, it shot through the roof. And now that he's no longer with us, I mean, these things are just going to get more valuable because obviously they're not signing signatures anymore. George Perez, Jack Kirby, Stanley, et cetera, uh, Joe Sennett. So, you know, you when you look for a signature, make sure that if it comes with an authenticity uh, certificate, fantastic. If it doesn't, then you might have to go through a couple, jump through a little, little bit of hoops to get it certified, especially if it's going to be graded. Um, but again, do you need that? Do you do you really need that? Let me get a drink here. Uh, Lewis says, I keep everything bag and boarded, but I'm not into the grading nonsense. I agree because grading, listen, one of the reasons that I, I, that I think that grading is important is to, it's not about, it's subjective, right? It's completely subjective. Um, the, and if you guys want to go back and look at, uh, one of the things that we talked about with, uh, our grading, uh, situation a couple weeks ago, uh, with werewolf by night, um, you can go back into the catalog and look through that and see what we went through with that and how we're changing up a lot of the grading that we're doing uh, with different with a different company. Um, I think grading is important because it establishes it, it actually takes it encapsulates that book. So and I mean that from a standpoint of um, stewardship again, I'm not saying it from a monetary. That's one thing that's part of the business, but just from an ethical standpoint, it's encapsulating, it's stopping the time for this, for these books, uh, unless they're reopened again, you know, it's a very important thing because it's, um, it's archival and, and for the next generations and that, that's, what's important to me that they're, um, they're in, they're in a sealed, completely sealed, whether it's whatever company you choose, um, I would suggest EGS, uh, but this one is CGC. Um, but as far as this goes, I mean, completely sealed. It's bagged inside here, sealed completely. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I get, I get this the the statement as far as the the grading nonsense. I understand that because it is subjective. But from a standpoint of archival, um, and if you can't do that, and then like you said, bag and board it. Get it in the proper bags, the archival bags, if you if it's a valuable, valuable piece. Um, but I think it's important that you look at it, at least from from my standpoint. I know Pete feels this way, too. We need to do that for stewardship. Not every book is going to be graded. Not every book's going to be encapsulated that way. But the ones, the special ones, um, the Fantastic Four uh, 52 that we got, uh, the first Black Panther in that, that was very important that we get that one done. Um, you know, a few of the, the, the Neil Adams books that we've got, we wanted to make sure that they were encapsulated properly. Um, the first appearance of, uh, Dr. Strange, very important. These were all something that we wanted to make sure that they, they're there for the long haul and they're there for the people to appreciate them. Cause you know, you can read everything digitally now, really when it comes down to it, but it's not the same. I, I think, um, I think it's not the same reading it digitally, but, you know, it, more so than anything else, it's archival. We wanted to get it so that, and I think that that's a really important part of this business. Forget the grading. 
but as far as encapsulating it and get it to the point where it, it'll last, it'll, it'll be protected. That's, that's why I, that's why we decided that we wanted to do that for the very special, special copies, uh, including the ones that are going to be, we haven't even talked about yet, uh, but they, we will in the future. Uh, let me see, just read. And if you guys could like and share this out too, I would appreciate it greatly. Okay, Lewis says, and of course, because that's automatically meaning uh, you're at best a mid-grade because it's not a stupid case and graded at some point. I know my collection isn't worth, yeah. Well, and again, it's, I know a lot of guys, and this is great, uh, Pete, Pete will agree with this. I know a lot of people that will buy just the raw comics, and I think that that's a really good part of this because they can still read the product. Some of them get two copies. Some of them just get the rough copy and then a separate one that they'll keep uh, uh, stored away. But, you know, some of them actually read, you know, the reader copies. I look for a lot of reader copies because that's, I can, you know, obviously read them and I don't have to worry about the damages or anything. Um, really important thing. I think that you're, uh, you're obligated, uh, as a collector, you should be anyway to read them, you know? And if it, like I said, you've got to go with your gut on that. Is it for your personal collection or not? Do you think you need it? It's up to you. Okay, so Jody says grading costs money and ups in value depending on the grading services. However, I look at the collecting as a form of preservation. It's funny how many stories are lost because they weren't preserved. Yeah, and I agree. I agree. And I know Pete does too. I know Pete's uh, in and out of the conversation here, but absolutely. I sold enough of my early collection to pay off my parents' medical expenses and my collection loans off. Yeah, and see, that's what I mean. The, the turn, you understand, um, Lewis, the, the turn of uh, investment on these. I mean, you can go on YouTube. I'm not, I'm not into that uh, type of um, YouTube channel uh, production. You know, I don't, I don't go, I don't tell you about the pricing on this and this is where it's going up. I don't need to do that. You've got so many other ones and they do it very well. Week to week to week of what's hot, what's not, what went up in the market, what went down the market. Bottom line is you got to find somebody to buy your stuff too. So all this value, all this stuff being said and all these things, how much they're worth. If you can't find anybody to buy it, it's not worth anything. So keep that in mind too. So, and, but I, I think that there, it's a good point to have is that people need to look at these. Um, first off, are they enjoyable for you? Secondly, then if not, then maybe move them, maybe move them. All right. And Joe says, uh, the treasure is the sentimental value of it. Like how my grandmother shared her love for Wonder Woman with me and my sister. It's about the stories you can tell about the count. Yes, I agree a hundred percent. Um, you know, and that's being an artist appreciating, uh, like Mike McNoller, Bill Sakevich, um, Jack Kirby appreciating the art form. And then you know, I, my son made a statement I told you about a couple of weeks ago. He says, these books really aren't valuable to me because they, they're your generation, they're of your generation, dad. And I understand. And he's right. Absolutely right. But he knows the artwork. He knows Jack Kirby. He knows Mike Mignola big time. Um, he's learning about Bill Sakevich, but there's, he might not know the stories, but he, and that's to my fault because I should have, and my daughter too, for that matter. Um, but they do know comics and they do know art. Uh, I bought the years ago, I bought the series um, uh, by Jeff uh, uh, Bone and one of the best uh, independent comics, I think, ever. 
a great story uh, of how it was done and everything else. And I, I bought her the whole uh, run of it. And, you know, she could, Jeff Smith's work, he, she could tell you, my daughter could tell you anywhere in the world that's, you know, Jeff Smith did that or whatever. And that's, um, that's important to me that even if the stories aren't there, at least there's some, there's some remnant of, of hope <laughs> that there might be some collecting going on in the future with that. Um, anyway. Okay. So yeah, the sentimental part of it is, is very important. I think that that is probably the most important thing. Monetary is, is fleeting. Um, and Lewis says getting signatures, uh, from originally, uh, was for a memory of meeting the person. Now, since everybody is selling online and shipping them, it's not quite the same. I agree with that too. And a lot of the times, you know, um, I would, I would pay a proxy to go because I couldn't get to the comic cons, uh, that these people were going to be at a work related or whatever. And I would pay a, a person to go, uh, because that's a service that they offered and it was great. You know, we didn't have to worry about it. It was, it was very, uh, very convenient. And that person would stand in line and, you know, they would do the thing, but again, they did their, their personal collection too. They had stuff signed. So, you know, it, it's all relative, I guess, but, um, Let's see. I'm just reading here. Just bear with me for a minute. Yeah. So, and like I said, encapsulating the uh, the book itself, it's it's for the next person, and that's I think that's important because uh, eventually, you know, we can't take it with us, right? So, when does a you know when does any collection become a a, a task or a problem? I know, uh, I know a lot of, uh, collectors of vehicles, cars, motorcycles that the family's burdened with after they move on, after they die. And it's, uh, and there's no, and there might be a plan of to sell them on auction or whatever. Um, and it's, it's just a burden. So, I mean, just be sensible, enjoy the hobby, enjoy what you're, what you're collecting in that, but be, be realistic. Because there might be somebody else that might need that comic to, to finish a run. And you know what? The money might be nice, too. So, for you. Um, let's see. Hold on. Uh, Lewis says, yes, but see, I did that before the grading nonsense. If I did that today, I wouldn't have made a tenth of the value. I see. I, um, And that's, okay, so Pete, right there. Passing on a legacy. That's exactly where I'm going with that. Cause I think that that's, um, when, when we decided to do this, that was our first thing. And it wasn't about the task of getting them graded. It wasn't about, um, you know, not the burden of it, but just the, it was about getting, continuing, uh, the storytelling, making sure that these, these, uh, comics don't go to waste. I mean, they don't, they don't just fall into, into, a literally into a trash bin and that's the end of them because people don't know what they are. And that's, I think that that's, uh, you know, us being stewards of all of this and business owners and everything else, we have a responsibility uh, for the next, and I don't want to call it generation, but the next group that wants to read this is take this in to, to be part of this whole collective uh, that we call collecting. Um. Yeah. And that's when it does get expensive. Um, 
in lots too. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand. It does get very, uh, Lewis says, as for archival, archival is when you have an actual historical collection like Harvard university or Michigan state's collections. Just my opinion. Yeah, I can get, I can understand that archival I'm using as a loose word because, uh, you know, all of us can have archives, right? All of us, we could, our filing cabinets and archive, um, our portfolios are archives, depending on how we, um, how we store them. And that's, that's what I meant by it, by it. Uh, they, there was one thing I was listening to. Um, it was on YouTube. They call a, they're called pedigrees, pedigree, pedigree collections. And there was one guy, I don't know where it was. I think it was like in New York or something. He ended up having a, he ended up having, he worked at a bank, I think, or no, no, it was a, it was, um, an art. It was an, yeah, it was an, I believe it was, I don't know if it was a national Institute of art where it was, but he bought, um, I think he bought two copies of every book from like 1960. I want to say from like fantastic four or whatever. And this guy did store them. He stored them like the whole run, everything. It was, it's an incredible collection. And I don't think anybody could touch that. I mean, these were all amazing. Pete, you might know who this guy was, but these collect, this collection is just unbelievable, unbelievable. And I don't think there's any collection that's higher rated because what this guy did now, he was an archivalist. He ended up, that's what he did for a living. And he knew the value even back in the sixties and the seventies of what these comics had, what the, literally what the Americana, the artwork was. He, he, and he, I forget the guy's name, but these pedigree collections, you'll hear that a lot. And so I, like I said, archival was just a, a word I'm using to, to make sure, but I, I get what you're saying. Like the Mi Michigan state's collections is incredible. Um, Michigan state's collection is just as far as comics history and everything. It's just insane. And Pete knows more about that one. I think, I don't know if you've been down there yet, man, but it, I, I think you did, you were down there, but man, it's an amazing collection. Good morning, Ryan. How you doing? How's it going? Uh, uh, they had a Ryan, they had a, uh, power outage in the UK where they're at. So, uh, he's not on today, unfortunately. So, but we're hoping he's, uh, aggressively relaxing says, I always got comic creators to sign. This is AR's book. If you have, have it something horribly wrong, I'm not, this is AR's book. If you have it, something's going horribly wrong signature. Okay. I'm not sure what that means, but okay. Um, yeah, Glenn's power's out. Okay. A CB collection is good to have in case you want to read them again. Yeah, I well, I mean, like I said, you you as a collector in general, and you're learning because you're you've got a new uh, you've got to learn, or you're learning with the new collection that you've got too. I think that it's important that um, I really like the digital format because there's no wear and tear. <laughs> I mean, that's the that's one thing I love about it, but it's not the same. Um, you know, you're it's just not the same. I, there was one, there was one weird thing that I heard about this last week on YouTube. There was a collector that he bought the books and he didn't get them graded. He didn't get them sealed or anything. 
he always had them in bags and boards because he likes opening them and smelling the books like like the actual he would open them up and read the books and smell the paper from i don't know that was really i understand what he's saying but it's a little weird it's a little odd um Let's see what Pete says here. A well-cared-for and well-curated collection should never be a burden, but a legacy. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. And like I said, this is as long as people aren't falling over it or it's becoming a detriment. And, you know, and I, I hear this a lot, too. Don't invest in something that you, you need to eat. The kids need to eat. You need to be able to put gas in your car. Don't buy something that's going to put you in, in, a, in a detriment, a detrimental situation. Um. Let's see. What's up, Pops? Uh, he says that there's two local friends with over 70K comic book. Well, yeah, I believe it. There's there's a lot of uh, a lot of people have been collecting over the years, man. Um, gosh, that's crazy. 70K and is that 70,000 comics? Is that what I'm hearing? Not not money wise. That's 70,000 comics. Actually, paper comics. Wow. All right, let's see what uh, Lewis says here. Ironically, some of my pre-professional comic work is going to Harvard in a few weeks. Awesome. And a fellow member of one of the APAs I was with sending collection of the heart. That's awesome, man. That's really, really good. That's awesome. Well, I hope you get some kudos off of that. Hopefully you, you know, they should, uh, you should use that. Put your, uh, put that on your, your um, artist resume for sure. Uh, Carl says, uh, we need to visit Watterson's hometown. The library has many unpublished Calvin and Hobbes. Ooh, very cool. Yeah, there's, there's some of my favorite. I love Calvin and Hobbes. Um, yeah, that's a TV guy, collector guy, insane story. He was the finest of all. Um, okay. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still, I'm kind of in, in part of that conversation, not quite there. Um, so yeah, so you can get an idea now of, of at least why these things are, you know, you've got to find out what the value is. Uh, it, it doesn't matter if they say that it's worth, you know, a hundred thousand dollars, $30,000 or whatever. If you don't know what it is and it doesn't inspire you, it's not worth a penny, you know, in my eyes. Um, I think that there is some legitimacy in the speculation market only from a standpoint of um, you, you need to look at it from a standpoint of investment. You don't have to invest in it and you, and you shouldn't, if you don't feel right about it, always go with your gut on that. But I think that speculation is important. I think it's overblown. I think that it gets too crazy. And I think that um, it's got to be kind of regimented a little bit. There's excitement. And the big thing about it is, is of, um, FOMO, if you haven't heard that, fear of missing out, FOMO. And it's uh, that, I think, drives everything. People think that they're going to miss out on the next best thing, the quick money, the the newest book that's going to be, or the oldest book that's that's just been put in for development. Um, the, the reality is, is that um, you're not going to miss out. The market's going to show what the value is. So if you buy it at a certain price and it doesn't go up, maybe goes down. Well, that's part of the market. It's unfortunate. Um, but other times it goes up. So it's just a matter of time. It's a time, you know, it's a, it's a luxury of time really. Um, and when it all boils down to it, all said and done, all paper books are sealed and whatever else. Time's the only commodity we've got. 
And when it comes down to it, if you want to enjoy this book for a certain amount of time in your life, then you pick it up, you read it and you enjoy it. If you don't, move it on, give it to somebody else, sell it to somebody else, trade it for something else. Um, yeah. Okay. It was 70,000 comics. Yeah. I've got, you got about 7,000. Yeah. Yeah. There, I mean, it's pretty amazing the, over the years, how many books have, uh, that I, that I've got, you know, both antiquated books and then comic books, but then how many books have moved around, how many have given away, you know, uh, or, or sold in that. Um, well, okay. Then that's a good point, Carl. My brother had some cash instead of fixing his roof. He bought more Apple stock. Well, it depends on how long he, you know, how bad the roof was and uh, how quick he flipped the stock. So, I mean, you know, it's all relative. But yeah, if you get to that point, uh, so he's got stock, but he had tarp a hole. In, see, I don't see that's not, you got to, you got to have a sound, uh, you got to have a sound house. So I don't, I don't know if I would have done that, but. You know, teach their own. You know, I'm not one to judge on that. So I'm sure he had his reasons. Um, Lewis says, I think that FOMO drives everything in comics now. It makes me want to bat slap them. And uh, and I think that, you know, the, the lack of something is is a real problem in today's world, whether it's and I'll, I'll make a statement on this. The lack, the, the fear of it is is a problem. And I think you're right. I think FOMO does play a huge part in the market, not just in comics, but in everything. Gas prices uh, right now. I mean, all these things. I mean, it goes on and on. Fear of not having something uh, is going to drive, spike that, the costs up and, 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 and cause a frenzy. You guys remember uh, Cabbage Patch Kids and that whole mess back in the, when I was little. You know, I know people, but parents, I mean, I remember seeing the the TV with all these uh, crazy parents. It's like the uh, Hello uh, Elmo doll or whatever it was. Um, it was nuts. It was absolutely crazy. And, you know, that's fear of missing out, you know, and it, I don't think that we're any better today. Um, but I think that there's a lot of people that have, uh, um, uh, I think that there's a few of us that, you know, we want certain things. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll go do that. We'll buy that maybe, or we'll invest in that comic book. Um, but when it really boils down to it, look at what the, look at what you're collecting <clears throat> and look at it from a standpoint of, you know, am I doing this for enjoyment or am I doing this for economics or both, you know, or, or, or not. Pop says this is his fourth collection. <clears throat> He's had about 40,000 over in his life. Yeah, I can understand that. Uh, <clears throat> let's see, Carl. We have a bunch of friends' beanie babies that she left in her garage, probably spent hundreds. We had to trash them after all the mice got to it. Yeah, what a shame. What a shame. They're, um, yeah, there's so many things to collect, right? And I think that, uh, you know, Comics Unlimited, what we're trying to do with this whole podcast and with the publication is to show interest in the books, show the world behind all of it, show the history of it. Because the, the biggest thing about uh, in this, in this, this is number nine, um, but in this series, I want to, we're going to talk about uh, in the, in the book itself, in the next books to come, 
we're going to be talking about, um, you know, the stories and where they went and how they, you know, I've got uh, a couple different avenues of how we want to show, um, you know, how the stories got to Hollywood possibly and where they, how they matured or how they fell off uh, the development train. Um, but with Comics Unlimited, the the magazine, we're trying to get it so that it's it's kind of spawning a new, a little bit more of an interest, but a different angle of it all. Uh, I think with the problem, you know, a lot of the times when I was younger, uh, comic book, uh, not when I was older, but when we were like a younger kid, comic book uh, stores were kind of, uh, they were kind of elitist in a way. They didn't, they were kind of jerks. Uh, to the younger kids, they didn't want, you know, they wanted your money, but they didn't want you hanging around or anything like that. And, you know, that was one thing about Pete's store. He didn't have that. It was very much a family oriented uh, community setup. And that's why I felt good about bringing my kids there. Um, and that's, you know, I think that knowing about comics this way through Comics Unlimited is important because you get to read the articles you get to see, oh, this is the artist. This is why, this is where they came from. This is the, you know, this is why they draw this way. This is who taught them. It's really important. And that's a, and again, it's back to stewardship, like we were saying. Uh, that's why Comics Unlimited, that's why I got into this with Glenn, because I think that that's a huge part. And I think that the show, you know, emulates that. We want to get it to the point where people are really seeing uh, comics that might not have been, involved in comics, but it maybe can understand a little bit about how this evolved into what it is today. Uh, and maybe for the better, maybe not, you know? Um, yeah, that's, that was it. Tickle me, Elmo, not hello, Elmo. What am I talking about? Uh, FOMO, Cabbage Patch Dolls, Beanie Babies, Tickle me, Elmo. Everyone wanted the first release. Yep. Yep. And it was, it was insane. It was insane. Hey, Eric, how you doing, man? My grandmother had an easier time finding the Cabbage Patch than Optimus Prime that year. Wow. Uh, she had to get in a fight over it. That's ridiculous. I mean, and it's still happening, right? Even with that. I mean, it, we've got, it's it's not, I don't think any better. It really depends on how you act. All you can do is control the way you act. And, you know, just, just don't, don't be a jerk. Um, there he is. Glenn, how you doing, man? You want to come on for the next five minutes or just, just in the audience? Just got the power back on? No, no problem, man. Fuses blew out in the night. No, not a problem at all. Not a problem. Um, I've just been winging it, bro. So um, let's see. Joe says, the only time I got caught up in FOMO was when the Sega Dreamcast was released to avoid the rush on the U.S. release. I actually imported Japanese one about wow. Wow. Okay. I'm going to use that to my advantage, man. So, you know what FOMO did attack you once. I'm going to use that to my advantage, Joe. Um, you know, the, and the biggest thing about all of it in any collecting is just don't lose your, if you start losing yourself in it and the enjoyment's not there, then you're not collecting. You're burdening yourself. You're anchoring yourself. And that's not, that's not what it's about. And I've, I've been guilty of that before. Uh, I think sometimes I still am. Um, because I, I, you know, you get that, man, it's so cool. I own this, but does it really matter when it boils down to it? Um, 
yeah, sometimes it does. And it's the sentimental value of it all. I remember when this, you know, when I first read this Star Wars story, I, I first got my first Hellboy book and how it changed everything, how the artwork changed me and, you know, all that, you know, that, that whole, that whole acceptance uh, of it and, and being able to relive it just by seeing that image uh, of the book or, um, or, you know, taking the book out of the package again and, and rereading it or smelling it like that guy does, whatever. Um, I, I do under, I have to say, I shouldn't laugh at that because I do understand that when you go into a, an old bookstore, it's got that, that paper smell, you know, and not the must, it's a little musty, but not like the moldy smell or anything, but you know, um, that is a, I, I get what he's saying. I know that there was a, a part actually at the comic book store, there was a part, uh, uh, that Pete was part of, um, the gentleman that had, uh, the book section of it, he had all paperback books. And I remember that smell in that room and it was very, it was like an old library and I, I get what the guy's saying. So, you know, like I said, each his own. Um, and you still, <laughs> and he says he still has it. You still have the Sega. You could probably get some money for that, bro. I bet you could. Um, I see some of these guys that go to the garage sales and stuff and, uh, um, let's see what we got. Glenn Fleming, it's kind of sad that the Strange Tales books I've had from the 1965, the ones my brother bought, brought home and got me into all this soon will no long, no one will get. Well, you know, I don't know, man. I mean, you've got, you know, you got crazy people like us talking about it and doing publications about it, doing podcasts about it. So I don't know. I mean, we're on, we're on this and this is, this is on for we're putting this out. It's going to be on the air uh, for as long as it's going to be. So I don't think that, I think you might be surprised because nostalgia is a funny thing. Um, you know, there's cars in the 1950s, there's cars in the 1940s, 30s that I love. And I was born in 71. And there's, there's stories that I love. There's books that I love that are hundreds of years old. Don't, don't just write that off. Because I, I think that what we're doing, what Pete and I are doing, what Glenn and I are doing on, 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 the, on businesses, I think that it's a very important thing that, that stewardship is really um, part of this collective. Um, stewardship is very important. It's for the next generations or whatever you want to call it, the next people that are going to own these things, the next, um, you know, the next, uh, the next watchers, the next group of people. And I think that we as a collective, as a group, really have to um, kind of mandate that uh, as as kind of a, you know, we need to usher in. I'm not saying force people to read them or whatever, but say, you know what, hey, check this out. This is what, this is how it all began. This is where it started. This is what was really cool in the 60s. This was really cool in the 70s. Um, and you might be surprised because they do come back. I don't know if you ever saw the movie Gattaca. Gattaca had a, a lot of nuances and a lot of uh, architecture and a lot, it was actually uh Franklin Wright building that they used, but there's um, even the vehicle that he was driving. It, it, so there's all kinds of things that would go back uh, for design styles and everything else. And you'll see it return. So I don't think that, I don't think that it's, you're going to be, it's going to be forgotten, Glenn. I really don't. And I, and I think it now, now I'm challenged that it won't. I'm going to put the challenge out to everybody else too. So, cause I don't think that, uh, I don't think that we're too, that, that we're going to be losing it like that in the too near future. 
Uh, let's see. Glenn says um, they'll want the books, but the stories will be out. Oh. I don't, I don't know. I disagree. There might be something that, and, and you know what? And if they, if they are lost, then it's our fault. I mean, it's, it's us as a, our, you know, it's like the war stories you hear, you know, about the last veteran passing away from world war two or whatever. If they didn't document the stories like you did for your dad and everything else, they would be lost. So by all means, I mean, let's, uh, let's make it a, a commitment that uh, we keep these stories going, you know? whether it's a campfire story or whether it's a, uh, a mystery story or something of that sort, you know, or whatever, or a fantastic four story and talk about who John Sennett was, you know, with these signatures and everything else. Who's this guy? You know, we, this is, this is what we do. This is how we, this is how we collect. And this is how we steward the next collecting group. Um, let me see what else I've got here. Okay. So FOMO uh, is at its greatest when you feel that you must be the first to have or the first to receive gains from it. The Dreamcast was one such thing in the early college days. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, we were a lot younger too back then, man. That's, you know, we did a lot of stupid things when we were younger. But I think it's good, though. You enjoyed it. It's not a stupid thing, actually, because you enjoyed it. You were doing something that you, you enjoyed at the time. I think that's possible. But I also think you have to let people uh, who don't know what exists uh who don't know what exists even current. This is here so that they did like Perch and Wes and like that. No. Okay. Got it. Um, let's see. There's no comics for kids, save manga today. Um, that, um, do you think there's no comics for kids? I mean, there, there are some, I mean, I kind of, I mean, I have to say, I do enjoy the, the, uh, the kit, the comics that are more are cartoony for adults. I think it's great. Some of the satires hysterical, some of the stuff. Now, um, I did this in Crikey. Crikey was a magazine that uh, Glenn put out uh, for quite a while. Very, very well received, very successful in the UK. I had an article about people's uh, memories for the first comics. We should start that again. Okay, done, done. I think that's a great idea. I think that people um, in general, I, I think that we enjoy collecting. I think that uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, making sure that Pete and I get a lot of these books uh, out to the, to the people that want to purchase them. Cause I think it's important that uh, we continue it on. They're no, they're no good in, in the uh, long boxes. If you can't see them and you can't read them as far as I'm concerned, a long box can be a, you know, uh, for, for comics can be a casket uh, and they, you know, they're, they're lost, they're buried. And I think that if they're, if they're not, uh, used, uh, not necessarily used, but enjoyed. Uh, however, if it's up on a, you know, up on a shelf or, or in a, in a plastic case, you know, like we said, grading, whatever else, the memory is still there. And I think that, uh, like you said, we're, we're stewards of it all. And whether it's, um, uh, in a publication in a publication like this comics unlimited, or if it's on a podcast like this, it's continuing. And it's because of people like you and we appreciate it. And I know that you guys are tired of hearing my voice for the last hour. So I'm going to let you go. Glenn, I'm glad the power's back on, man. I'm sorry that you weren't on this show and I'm sure everybody else is too. Um, you bring a uh, wealth of knowledge to the show and I, I really appreciate you greatly. And I appreciate that uh, everybody stopped in uh, that we did. We had a great interaction with everybody. Thank you for liking and sharing this out. 
Uh, if you guys don't know, um, Ted Davies Artistry is doing a Christmas in July sale right now. Check out everything on Facebook and Instagram. It'll give you the full listings of everything that's on sale. Um, everything. I mean, there's a lot of things down to half price right now. And I'm doing that because I don't have the room. And I'm going to be going to a few shows here. And I want to make sure that I've got other work. It, it's becoming a task in itself since we're talking about tasks. Um, what a first world problem to have, right? But I, I really have to... I have to move some of this stuff because it's uh I just don't have the room and I'm a, usually I'm a one man team when I'm at some of these shows. Christine's busy uh, with her business too and it's it's hard uh, carrying all the stuff with me. So I want to make sure I get uh, some good art to you guys at a affordable rate, uh, especially in July. So before the rates go up. So until Sunday, uh, what is it? July seventeenth coming up at noon. I'll have these uh, things up for sale. So. Message me if you want to purchase, and we will talk to you. Thank you again, Glenn. Um, we will be talking to you soon, my friend. I know that I'm going to be uh, we're, we're taping a few things uh, for uh, Feed the Beast here soon with John Celestri coming up, and I've got a few other things happening with uh, From the Trenches of Hollywood. Drinking with the Davies will be back next week, Friday. Uh, not this week, but the following week. Uh, we got a few things going on. Um, a lot of showers, a lot of things happening with uh, weddings and stuff like that. So we've been kind of having to move things around. But um, I appreciate you guys stopping in. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next week. So try to enjoy this beautiful day. Do something good for somebody, guys. No envy, no fear. We'll talk to you soon. Welcome to the Comics Unlimited podcast. With your hosts, Glenn B. Fleming and Ted Davis.